enjoying a couple of drinks to celebrate a famous victory. Welcome to Hand Pod. Ladies and gents, this is Hand of Pod episode 191, um, and as we were hoping to be, or as Andres and I were hoping at least last week, not so much the other two, um, we're talking to you and are going to be uh, discussing a little bit later River Plate's passage to the final of the Copa Libertadores for the first time in 19 years. Um, they won on Tuesday night, that's last night, we're recording on Wednesday, um, they sorry they didn't win on Tuesday night they drew on Tuesday night but they got a 3-1 aggregate win against Guarani of Paraguay we will talk about that a little bit later first of all a word from our sponsors before we go any further no actually hang on let's introduce ourselves I'm Sam Kelly and I am joined as I've already hinted by Andres Bruckner this week hello how are you uh, I am of, of course happy glad for the qualification to the final and but today will be like for me at least an episode like when you are with, you have your your suitcase, your shirt, your shoes, and you untie, you take your your tie off and and, and your shirt and everything, and you are re, re, just relaxed. And so it will be a strange episode for me. Yeah, next week might be slightly tenser, depending when we record. Yes. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, we're sponsored. That was that was it <laughs> by the Argentina Independent. They pay for our alcohol, so we thank them very much for that, particularly on this day because we're of course both river sympathisers um, the Argentina Independent are a very good source of English language news current affairs, cultural bits and pieces, photo essays and all that kind of stuff uh, from Argentina and across Latin America and you can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at Argentina Indy that's Argentina I-N-D-Y thank you very much for the fernet gentlemen and ladies um, and now onward First of all, before we get on to the Libertadores, and indeed before we get on to the league, I'm just going to have a very, very uh, quick shout-out to Boca supporting listeners. Don't worry. Please continue to listen. Uh, Andres and I like to think, at least, that we're not trolls and we're not going to be mocking you throughout this episode. Um, in fact, we, we're going to, I think, both of us have something to say about the River fans who have been doing that kind of thing last night and today. Um, but anyway, onward, first of all, with the results from the league matches that were played last weekend um, those were San Lorenzo de Almagro 3 Arsenal de Sarandí 0 Banfield 1, Belgrano de Córdoba 2, those were the two Friday evening games on Saturday, Olimpo uh, beat Aldo Civi 3-1 with one of the most decisive performances of the weekend uh, from Franco Canever but unfortunately, not in a good way. He's an Aldo Civi defender and he managed to score two own goals um, to put Olimpo 2-0 up before half-time. Um, they were actually 3-0 up before half-time because Jonathan Blanco scored another one immediately after his uh, second goal, uh, own goal. Um, Boca Juniors 2, Quilmes 1 in, on the return of Carlos Tevez. We'll be talking about that in a minute. Defensa Justicia 2, Nueva Chicago 1. Atletico de Rafaela 1, River Plate Reserves 5. Um, 
we're probably going to have to talk about that as well under the circumstances. Racing Club 2, Sarmiento 1, Colón 1, Lanús 2. There were lots of 2-1 wins on Saturday, weren't there? I think every match on Saturday ended in a 2-1. Oh, no, apart from, right, Olimpo, Aldo Civi and, and Atletico de Rafael V River, but all the others finished 2-1 on Saturday. Um, on a, a lot of, of, of defeats of teams... Uh, <clears throat> Which scored at least one goal. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, nobody kept a clean sheet on Saturday either. Uh, that's um, quite something. On Sunday, where's Sunday gone? Ah, there we are. Tigre nil, Newell's old boys nil. San Martín de San Juan three, Huracán two. That was a cracking match. Rosario Central nil, Vélez Sarsfield nil, Temple nil, Independiente one. And on Monday there were three games. A little strangely, uh, quarter past three in the afternoon on a Monday, and it was not a bank holiday quite sure why that was happening but anyway Gimnasia uh, yeah, Grima La Plata beat Godoy Cruz 2-0 a little later that night Crucero del Norte lost at home which doesn't happen very often 2-1 to Estudiantes and Argentinos Juniors lost at home also 2-1 to Union de Santa Fe you, you said something about any, anything strange and do you think it's the, it is strange that Rosario Central News Uh, which are going to play each other this mm. evening, both for a draw, a nil-nil draw. Um, it's not. Very I, somebody strange. tweeted us. St- it didn't. I mean, it doesn't seem to me that strange. But somebody tweeted us a, a statistic saying it was the first time it had happened right before a, a classical Rosario in 20 years or something. So it's obviously unusual. But I'm not of course sure they, that they are. They are always thinking the previous week about that match. They are thinking about that match before playing the the, the previous one, but uh, although one person who wasn't was Newell's midfielder Hernan Michalba, who got himself sent off away to Tigre um, for a double yellow card as well, so it really was something he could have avoided quite easily. Um, silly boy, we apologise for the horn tooting in the background. Uh, Porteño drivers are never the most patient of people. You'll be aware of this, of course, because uh, if you're a regular listener. Um, then you'll be perfectly used to it but for new listeners we apologise um, we will get on to the Classical Rosarino later though that is as Andres says coming up this weekend um, let's go through the Big Five first of all and we may as well start with San Lorenzo since they were the first in the Big Five to play at the weekend 3-0 over Arsenal de Sarandi at home just a training session really isn't it when you play yes, Arsenal no, at home no doubt it was perfect for San Lorenzo with uh, <clears throat> Arsenal with the, the previous Before the game started, there was a, like a joke between Mercier and and Carlos Lombardi. I think it was like a, a newspaper make made a, a, a like an interview with both, and and uh, and Carlos Lombardi was joking with that idea of him being defensive, with a, that he hired a, a, a bus from a bus company to to put in the in the, in the defense, and well, that was not enough because San Lorenzo was. Just a, a perfect for for. A, there was another another own goal there with Curbelo, I think. A, but anyway, San Lorenzo was yes, as you said, a, was a training session with no no rival for for them, and and they are they are there as a as in the second position as they were last week, mm. and they could have been the leaders leaders if Boca hadn't got get get a win against Quilmes. So they are they are there. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Jorge Corbello who scored the own goal in the second half. Yeah, and uh, as you say, when you go two 0 up after 13 minutes against a side 
who are as bad at football as Arsenal are. Um, yes, we, the, the game was over as a contest by that point. I mean, for, for me, who sort of tried to get home uh, semi-early to watch it, it was quite frustrating. Cause it was like, OK, now I'm sitting around watching another 75 minutes of nothing. I don't think it's key of, of, of what, because that the main reason of the victory for, for San Lorenzo, but the, the, the improvement of, of Sebastián Blanco, who scored the first goal, he pushed the ball into the, into the goal because uh, it was there in the line. Mm. Uh, I think it, it gave San Lorenzo something different for, for the attack. I'm, I can't remember. Would it have been an own goal if he hadn't got there, or was he nicking a goal off his teammate? Because if I'd been his teammate, I'd have been a bit, you know, pissed off with him. Because yes, he was literally yes, yes. on the line when he headed it in. But I, I, I'm sure if, if the ball was uh, clearly going to to get into the into the net, if if, if Blanco hadn't uh, headed it, didn't I don't know. I, I oh yeah, it was bouncing over the line, and he sort of ran up to it and, and just nodded it in his hand. He didn't even. He made sure the goal was was in. But. Indeed, that's one way of looking at it. Um, Arsenal continue to not be very good, as we say, and are still down in the lower reaches of the table. Uh, doing our traditional Big Five sweep along. Before we get to the other matches, the next team to have played were, fittingly enough, Boca Juniors the following day, who uh, leapfrogged San Lorenzo again, or you could, if you don't count, just overnight leads, and they kept their noses ahead of San Lorenzo, with a 2-1 win over Quilmes in... One of the most watched matches of the weekend, um, not just on a national scale, because of course Boca's matches are always one of the most watched matches of the weekend in the Primera here. Um, not only on here. international scale, partly I suppose because none of the European leagues have gone back yet, so nobody's paying any attention anyway to them. Um, but also because Carlos Tevez was back at La Bombonera after his unveiling on Monday of last week. He was playing his first match for um, Boca with the number 10 shirt just in behind the strikers, which was an interesting um, position to stick him in. But he did well. Um, Tevez didn't always look entirely part of the team, or, or rather his teammates didn't always look quite up to Looks his like speed, he I would needs, say. he needs work. But as, as he said after the match, they've had just under a week to train together. Everybody's still getting to know him. He's getting to know everybody else. It's, it's going to come together. And as a first appearance... Um, in 11 years for the club I mean it, it, he, he looked fine it, it was obvious that, that he had a different place some uh, like uh, he got the, the how do you say uh, like an artist that is starting to to paint and mm. and, and, and was like uh, with small uh, like dots of of, of uh, different place he showed his different he's of course different but yes he still needs work with his team and and, and well, we think he will improve with the with the, with the matches uh, but Kilmes made a, a, a very decent match with a, a good marking not not with him as man to man marking but very, pretty decent decent marking and, and, and match but uh, the man who uh, we can say he robbed the, the flashes of the cameras was was Caleri with the Magnificent Rabona goal. Yeah, who that was watched uh, in Europe because, as you said, it was at in, international scale. And uh, for example, Antoine Griezmann, the French striker of Atletico de Madrid, mm. uh, tweeted, "What a magnificent uh, Rabona!" And and he showing he was watching that. Uh, 
He actually, it happened because Caleri had made a bad decision about a second yes. beforehand, where he was he was running clean through. The obvious thing to have done, in my opinion, was to to shoot um, when he had the initial chance. And he decided to try and square it for Tevez. I mean, he was basically trying to set up Tevez for the big headline grabbing return goal, and it got cut out by by a defender and bounced back to Caleri, and that's why he. Um, why he came up with that finish but that doesn't mean that the finish was any less brilliant he, had, he said afterwards that he had to do it like that because he doesn't have a left foot so he's modest as well well honest and but at the same time self-effacing um, Kumas I thought did well they, they, there was a spell of the match especially the kind of second half of the first half where, where Kilmes actually looked the better side kind of after Sebastian Palacios opener um, Tevez man of the match I think that with that goal, it's, different. it's difficult to say Tevez was the man of the match. Uh, I think if I had to choose, of course, the, the easiest way to say who was the, the man of the match would be Caleri because of the Rabona, but in that case, Palacios would be the, the one because he opened the match. Uh, I'm going to go for Pablo Perez, who, who set up uh, Palacios' goal. Um, and I thought he was he was very good in midfield. Just the same way uh, he did with against Sarmiento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I thought it was very good knitting knitting stuff together in the midfield. But Tevez uh, starting off well. I saw something uh, in Ole yesterday saying that um, when they returned to Boca, Riquelme, Palermo, um, Barros Equilotto, and one of their other. Big. It might have been Bataglia, it might have been somebody else. None of them won their first match back at Boca. Tevez has done so. That's uh, you know, it wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't the the hat trick that that Ole and uh, a lot of Boca's other fans in the media were probably hoping for for the the front pages the next day. But it was a decent performance. Yes, and, and supporters were like delighted with him in the field, in the pitch, independently of of, of his his performance. Any, anything he did was like. Oh, like uh, I think it helped them with his first touch. Mm. He flicked it over a defender's head, and uh, yes, of course, calmly plays a pass back to one of his midfielders. Unless he he scored he, he scored an own goal. Uh, there were a lot of in, in this weekend. Uh, it would wouldn't have been disappointing for 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 supporters. Mm. Uh, they were waiting for him. They were they went uh, to the when he was introduced uh, last Monday, as you said, and and of course in the uh, for the. The match against Kilmes will be the same, the same uh, amount of people, of supporters waiting for him to, well, score a goal or, or at least to show something, something different, as he did. Yeah, um, if you wanted to see a, a, a fan favourite at one of the big clubs uh, putting in a really decisive and, and headline-grabbing performance, then you only had to wait a couple of hours after Boca's match for River Plate's game away to Atletico de Rafaela, in which River obviously between the two legs of the, the Copa Libertadores semi-final put out a reserve side um, it has to be said that it always looked like being a match in which that was going to be a safe thing to do given that Atletico de Rafaela are not very good um, but Fernando Kamenaki for a fat man can play football can't he uh, four goals and one assist is what he finished with as River beat Atletico 5-1 um, wonderful stuff from Kamenaki very good uh, first goal for the club from Guido Rodriguez, who's one of the, the one of two or three young number fives coming through at River at the moment. Um, Atletico were all over the place, though. I mean, they've got some real problems. Yes. We're, we're going to talk about River in more depth, obviously, later on. But Atletico, considering they're an established Primera side who traditionally 
have you know made it traditionally, but in the last few years since since they they came up most recently to the Primera, they've made a, a big thing of being hard to beat at home. It's not a nice stadium to go to. A lot of players that have gone from Rafaela, and of course it was clear that the team was another totally new new team with I think players. I know if they they signed a lot of players, but uh, perhaps players from the youth divisions. The the case is that uh, th that was one of the matches in which you don't know whether uh, River was brilliant or or Atlético Rafaela was so awful mm. because uh, yes reserves and, and and they they scored five uh, with uh, not only Cavanaghi shining there with his four goals mark. Also, uh, uh, some players that uh, River w wasn't used to put into the into the pitch and and and, and immediately think they are good. Like for example, uh, Carreras, the the right back. Yeah, who I hadn't seen before. Um. Uh, and and Casquete, Abel Casquete, the the, the 17 year old. Uh, who I'd never heard of before. <laughs> Uh, apparently, Casquete is the youngest. He came off the bench uh, yes. with about half an hour to go, and I read afterwards that he's the youngest foreign, um, the youngest foreigner ever to play for River. Seventeen years and years. and thirty-four days or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, Tomas Martinez also played. Instead, he's not Gonzalo Martinez. He's one of the others, um, which is relatively unusual because normally Gonzalo is the only Martinez. River have got three or four of Martinez's. Um, and Gonzalo is normally the, one, the only one who gets any playing time. So when you can put out a reserve side who do that kind of stuff, even to one of the teams near the bottom of the league, um, maybe they've got a slightly deeper squad than everybody gave them credit for at the beginning of the year. Because at the beginning of the year, there were lots of people saying, you know, River have probably got the best starting eleven, but they haven't got such good backup. <laughs> it's, it's, it's good to, to prepare these kind of guys, uh, as Casquete or Carreras, uh, plus uh, Guido Rodriguez, who has uh, got already matches played but uh, he's has hasn't got the continuity or the mm. the, the number of matches uh, in a row to, to say well he will be the number five when Craneviter is out for I don't know Atletico Madrid could be yeah uh, and he must be uh, prepared to that to do that because sometimes say in there will be a time when he will have to to, to be there and, and cover uh, fill the space left by him or by Poncio who has 33, 34 uh, so well we, we will see whether River has a number 5 a, a, a starting a, a, a number 5 who is already in the starting lineup like Poncio or Cranabiter or if River will have to fill that space with a, a, a pair of new, or new players Poncio is 33 years old and I think it's fair to say that a team quite similar to that River Reserve side would be Atletico uh, will be the team that River put out on Saturday the match has been moved forward today uh, at home to Colón um, this weekend in the league uh, because of course they've got the first leg of the Copa Libertadores final coming up um, next of the big five to play at the weekend were Racing who beat Sarmiento 2-1 with goals from a very early goal from Gabriel Milito and a slightly later one with a header from uh, Washington Camacho it was not a very good match what happened to Racing's pitch as well? did well, they have a concert on it or something? because it was a mess uh, there are a lot of, of pitches really nice. aren't good like for example River against uh, Guarni last week was very very weak yeah uh, but that, I mean River have rock concerts on there you know, River treating the pitch badly is uh, 
has become one of the main bugbears of the fight. It's pretty much the only complaint okay. the fans have about the current directorship. The, 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 the Monera also is, is quite mm. awful, and as I heard from the one who covers the pitch there, in the, in the, when covered with, against Gilmes, uh, that they put green powder or, or some green dirt in order to fill the, 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 the holes oh, that really? there were in the, in the, in the pitch. Well, so, so that you didn't note it when you, you watch the, the game. Rassings was a mess, and I, but normally Rassings' pitch looks lovely. That, that, that's, that's, I think, why it stood out so much for me. I mean, against La Bombonera yes. is very low line, very close to the river. They often have problems with the pitch. River, as I say, keep putting rock concerts on it or uh, other sports sometimes on it or whatever. Last Wednesday, when uh, we were here about fun. to record, uh, we were watching Estudiantes against San Martín San Juan for the Copa Argentina yeah. at Cordoba Instituto Stadium, and of, of, it was also uh, more dirt than, than, than grass mm. here. But Racing um, got the win, and I think all we can really say about it, as I say, is the pitch was bad, and so was the match. I don't think it's, it's really worth talking it was about that. It was a, a chest scoring by. By mm. Milito, that uh, someone, some people remember the Messi goal against the Estudiantes for the in the World Club. Yes, Cup. in the Club World Cup final. Um, the other, the, the only remaining member of the Big Five to talk about were Independiente, who played the 9:30 match on Sunday night and got a one-nil win away to Tempele. That, much like Racing's match, was quite an ugly game to watch. Um, not a particularly good one, but a deserved win, I thought, for Independiente. And they're now two games, two consecutive wins. Um, since we came back from the winter break so they look it's like they're maybe finally finding some kind of consistency Shane Peter couldn't, couldn't get here because uh, it would be good to, to ask him what does he think about his the very first matches of Pellegrino at the bench mm. I think I think the team looks of course two matches is perhaps early to to say uh, yeah they are in the bench is a very good team but uh, with Pellegrino, I think I watched at least against the Olympo and, and Tampere a more reliable team than I looked against uh, when, when Almiron was the, the coach. With they just look, too, they too look many more changes. like a team. They look like they know yes. what they're expecting all of their teammates and, to do. And he recovered. He not recovered, but he made Martin Benitez one of the key matches, key man's men of the match against Olympo and against Tampere. Uh, he was. Uh, uh, he, he's uh, ski, uh, slimmer. He's, uh, he mm. uh, lost uh, five kilos, I think he, he said. Uh, so he's physically in better form and, and well, he's showing it. And that's going to be the other important thing is that uh, Federico Manquesho has missed both of these matches with, uh, well, actually, he's missed them both with suspension, but he's also got a minor injury and is expected to be sold at you know, any moment. Uh, I think Dnipro. Dnipro Petrovsk um, are due to come in for him I apologise to any Ukrainian uh, listeners for horribly stumbling over that one um, they're due to come in for him any time supposedly when Manquesho goes I think if Peter were here he'd probably agree with us that that's not actually going to harm Independiente that much in a footballing sense but certainly all of the press are going to be saying it is because Manquesho is the big poster boy for this Independiente team and it's going to leave a hole in terms of his his uh, place in the team's morale, he's the captain when he's when he's fit um, and the way that Benitez is stepping up and the way that the rest of the midfield are stepping up Julian Vitale is a player who I hadn't really noticed in the first half of the year, I'm not sure whether he's played, I'm going to check him out now actually um, and he's looked good as well in both of these, in, well at least a, a, 
the, the weekend is gone. He has no, he's played three matches, including these two just now. So he's not a player who's played very much. Um, as, as long as promising for them. Yes, as, as, as long as the results uh, are good for Independiente, of course, the, the absence of Manquecio will be disguised with with Vitale perhaps, and and he will it will be easier for him to 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 get into the team because of course results may make the team work uh, at ease and, and, and mm. more comfortably than, than, than the, where results are not good and, and the people will say well uh, you are selling Manquecio and and complaining about that because the team is not getting the results not because Manquecio is not it's not there as always other matches non-big five matches uh, we've already mentioned Franco Canaveras unfortunate contribution to Olimpo versus Aldo Sivi. We mentioned that at the very start with two own goals. There was another own goal. There have been a couple of other own goals. As Andres says, Jorge Corbello for Arsenal against Arsenal for San Lorenzo. Um, other own goals? There's at least one other somewhere, isn't there? Where's it gone? I'm not going to be able to find it now. Apologise for the screaming little girl next door. Um... No, no, it doesn't. No, there was another one after all. Uh, but Banfield versus Belgrano ended two-one after Banfield took the lead about halfway through the first half. Belgrano came back two goals in the space of four minutes in the second half. Um, Lucas Celarachan and Christian Lema from the penalty spot. Uh, well done, Belgrano, and they're keeping pace really with the title challengers. Um, in fact, they are. Shut up! They're fifth, four points behind Boca. So. And they are, they are playing this weekend also. Yes, and yeah, you're quite right. They're at home to Boca this coming weekend. Rosario Central going into the Clásico, which we'll talk about in a short while, are sixth on 32 points. Boca have 37. Actually, I might as well go through the top five. I've said this. Boca have 37 points there first. San Lorenzo are second with 36 points. River a third with 34 points. Racing are fourth with 33 points and a goal difference of 11. Belgrano are fifth with 33 points and a goal difference of 10 and Central are 6th with 32 points. There's a bit of a gap then to, to Gimnasia in 7th. Um, there you can say they are candidates um, to Rosario Central or Bergeron. If Rosario Central wins against News, could be, uh, we, you could, we, could, we could add, add them to the, to the list of candidates, mm. but I think that Bergeron is the one, the team that puts the limit to the the teams that are for, are it for me ready to yeah purely because there's just that one point gap from first to second second yes. to third third and fourth are the same then there's another point down to fifth and then you've got a three point jump which which just makes it look at the moment like those teams are a bit further ahead but of course there's still a long time uh, long time to go having mentioned um, the poor pitch at Racing I think we're obliged to mention the poor pitch at Crucero del Norte it wasn't their own fault for once uh, we've mentioned Crucero del Norte's pitch on many occasions as being very overgrown, very long grass, and uh, possibly the reason that they get so much better results at home than they do away. Um, but on Monday, it would appear that there have been very, very, very heavy rain um, in Misiones province because the pitch was an absolute mud bath. Did you watch the match? No, I didn't. Oh, it was hilarious. Um, Estudiantes did very, very well under the circumstances, A, given that Crucero have got such a, a strong home record, um, and B, given the state that that pitch was in, to, to come back from 1-0 down um, and win it. Fantastic free kick from Ariel Colcera for Crucero to put them 1-0 up and then Estudiantes came back um, for a 2-1 win late on, which I thought that, that they deserved purely for, for digging in so well. But it's, I think it's stupid for them if, if they have the, the, 
the pitch in poor condition and they all the points they got were was in that condition when they are, were home. Uh, but not all of them were in a complete mud bath. That's the thing. Mm. I mean, normally it was very thick grass, very overgrown, but it wasn't just massive patches of. of it wasn't just huge patches of mud. I apologise for the child again. No idea what my neighbours are doing to that. Uh, we can't exactly go out and tell them to stop abusing the child, um, much as I would like to. My girlfriend is here trying to work as well, and is doing her head in as well. Um, so we apologise, listeners. It sounds like they might have buggered off now. Fingers crossed. Um, what was I saying? Crucero are used to having you know an, an unusual pitch that clearly away sides find difficult to adapt to. But that level of just... I mean, every time a player went in for a sliding tackle, they came out just caked head to toe in, in, in brown stuff. It was very funny to watch, but it probably wasn't so much fun to play in. Um, also, an honourable mention to San Martín versus Huracán, during which Huracán went 2-0 up in 13 minutes for goals from uh, Juanchope Avila um, and David Di Stefano, who is no relation to Alfredo, as far as I'm aware, anyway. Um, and San Martin then stormed back to claim it 3-2. I was slightly irritated because I predicted the draw for that one and it was going to finish in a draw until Marcos Figueroa, I think it's Marcos, isn't it, um, got the winning goal with about two minutes to go. I was very pissed off with him for that. Um, Defensive this year got a home win against Nueva Chicago. That was Defensive's first win in 12 matches, I think, off the top of my head. Um, and Chicago hasn't got anyone. Anyone. No, Chicago are the only team still without a win, but they scored a goal. They went 1-0 up in the 38th minute, which means that their goalless streak ended at, and this was on Twitter just after it, 800 minutes and 10 seconds, which is the second longest run without a goal of any team in the professional era history of the Primera División. That's how bad some of the teams in this year... Well, it's how bad one of the teams in this year's Primera... Um, ah, in this wonderful 30-team championship that we have. Well, they, they will say we are harsh on them, but Chicago and Cruzeiro well, clearly are the, the, the main candidates to, 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 to be relegated. Mm. Unfortunately for them, of course. Yeah, although at the moment the relegation spots are occupied by... Uh, oh, it is Chicago and Cruzeiro. For some reason I thought their account was still in it, but of course they're not. They? They, they got out of it last week. Um... On this note, ooh, what next? Oh, Lanús got a win, 2-1 away to Colón, but that doesn't really mean much because they're not challenging at the moment anyway. Yeah. Um, but a decent performance from them. Um, we should now... How long have we recorded for? Half now. Um, I'm trying to work out whether there was anything else I, I, I needed to... Uh, we wanted to go over. The relegation spots, we might as well mention. We, we've just talked about the league championship. Um, positions. The relegation positions are, the, as I say, Nueva Chicago and Crucero del Norte are in the bottom two spots, which means that they're going down at the moment. Huracán are just above them. Defensive Justicia just above them, which underlines how important that Defensive Justicia win was against Nueva Chicago. And then Tempeles, Armiento, Colón. So of the bottom one, two, three, four, of the bottom seven, the only club who were in the Primera at all last year uh, Defensive was this year. They're the only team who are not dividing their points by just this one championship. Um, does that maybe serve to underline what we've been saying for most of the year, which is that they allowed too many teams to come up? 
given that we've got just a relegation battle which basically consists almost solely of of those teams again. Yes, uh, yeah. If we if, if, if the teams were at least, for example, uh, Chicago won at least one match, that will change things because, as you said, uh, all of the teams at the bottom zone they divide only for this season. The thing is, if Chicago win one match, it actually doesn't change that much because Chicago is so so far behind everybody else in terms of points one. And yeah, okay, that's the relegation table, and as we say, it's very unfair because they aren't just divided by the current championship. But even if we look at the bottom of the current championship table, Arsenal and Atletico de Rafaela are in there, and of course they're not in the relegation battle because they've, they've got relatively decent points totals from previous seasons. But the other teams down there are pretty much all the same. Um, as, as the ones in the relegation battle so again I'm, I'm starting to think a couple of them have come up have, have done alright Union um, are up in 13th other newly promoted sides who are up somewhere around there Aldo Sibia in 16th Argentinos are in 17th and then you've got Tempele in 20th well that um, proves they are they are they are really awful because uh, winning I don't well not one but a pair of matches or or two or three matches will put them in a different position as they can go up and down very fast because of, obviously because they don't divide for the the, the previous seasons as they, they weren't at the at first division mm. absolutely um, we're going to take a break now and, and refill glasses we'll be back in a minute to talk first of all about River Plate's uh, passage to the Copa Libertadores final You've been expecting that, probably. Um, and also to give a quick preview of this weekend's Clásico Rosarino between Newell's Old Boys and Rosario Central. One match that we know Lionel Messi will be watching wherever he is in the world, for certain. So don't go away. The uh, first thing now to talk about, obviously, is a very sad night in the career of Lucas Alario. Because on Tuesday night, he scored a goal. And uh, Lucas Alario had a fantastic career record before. He is, of course, the young uh, centre-forward target man, sort of pivot player, um, who River Plate signed from Colón during the the winter break. Um, And prior to Tuesday night, when Lucas Alario scored a goal, his team never failed to win the match. I'm sure he was unable to sleep on Tuesday after losing that record. He must have been devastated. Um, River went to Asuncion with a 2-0 lead from the first leg of the Copa Libertadores semi-final with Guarani and fell behind 1-0 uh, midway through the second half, I think. About an hour 16, in, was it? 16 minutes. 16, OK, yeah, just, just, just about an hour in. Um... And that was really when the nerves began, because until that point, River had largely controlled the match, but hadn't been able to, to get too well. In fact, in the first half, they were well on top, but didn't really find anything clear-cut and, and get many shots off. Um, and some nerves started to creep in. You thought, OK, another Guarani goal now would take it to penalties. And then the away goal came. A fantastic away goal it was. Um, coming from two players who 
Marcelo Gachardo was very insistent on signing and was uh, questioned by some, particularly for Alario. I can only presume that those who were questioning the signing of Alario were people who'd never watched Colón, um, because I don't think any of us thought that it was anything other than a, a pretty astute signing from River. Um, and Viudes in particular, who nobody in Argentina had really seen, because the Uruguayan league doesn't get shown here. He played in the Libertadores, but that was, I think his last appearance in the Libertadores was about two or three years ago. Um, he was a teammate with Gallardo when yes. he, he uh, previously to his retirement played at their Nacional, Montevideo. Then he got him in the team when he was the coach. So he knew him very well and that's why he insisted so much with, with yeah. his signing. And of course they tried to sign Miudes uh, in January. They were re- uh, rebutted. Um, I heard signed he was... Him again in, in the winter and he was only registered to play a few hours before last night's match because Teo Gutierrez has finally been sold to Sporting in Portugal. When you, you insist so much on a player and then he doesn't uh, get the... Or he he's in the, doesn't play the way uh, with this, with the three or four balls he touched. Uh, you, you, you are risking so much because you are, uh, you, you are asking for a player for two or three transfer markets, uh, windows. Mm. Uh, Yes, I want him. Yes, I, I, I need him. Yes, I well all the time asking for him. Uh, in the in the summer, Argentinian summer, it wasn't po- wasn't possible, and now it was complicated because of this Theo Gate. Uh, he goes to Portugal. He's at Colombia. The visa, working visa, were not was not ready. Well, a lot of con- of things that put stones in the in the in the way, uh, and finally, well, he was there and. and it's incredible. Uh, the two men he Gachardo asked for, as you said, yeah. were the, the actors of the magnificent play. Combining for the goal. But Udes, it was only a few minutes after he came on as well, collecting a knockdown from Fernando Cabinacchi on the halfway line, producing a pass which Dennis Bergkamp would have been proud of at, at its peak. And Alario then with, with a wonderful chipped finish um, over uh, Alfredo, I think it's Alfredo Aguilar, um, in in the Guarani two, goal, poor Aguilar, two two gloves in, mm-hmm. or chips in 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 two matches. Of course, yeah, after uh, Rodrigo uh, Morales in the first leg. About this, no, not about the only the match uh, that uh, last night River got the the qualification, the the ticket to the final uh, after 19 years. Uh, but the what you say about this team when you watch this team play is. Of course, uh, it doesn't play nice all the matches, and and they I think they transformed their uh, nice watching play that some for some passages of last year showed to a, a strong and competitive team with yeah, personality still... and character more than play more than game that you say oh what a beautiful play but when. I mean, the... The second half of the first leg last week I thought was a good combination of both where the first first half was very competitive and in the second half River just stepped it up a level both in, in footballing terms and in competitive terms that Guarani didn't have an answer to and that obviously ultimately is what decided the um, the, the tie because the second leg finished all square. Uh, but yeah, I would agree that they've um, developed a... Uh, like a boxer, when you are, you, yeah. are, you, are, you are punching him... You are, uh, you are, you have him between. Uh, you are about to knock him out, and and in the less expected time, moment, there is a hand 
that uh, is the strongest and, and this came from river and, and the, the match is finished at, at that moment. Uh, um, and of course that's something Gallardo developed and, 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 and tried to, to 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 transmit to the players and then they, they, they learned that and uh, now do you, you have a team that I think that uh, perhaps a, another definition of what they, they they are doing is that they do what they have to do at the moment they have to do it. Mm. Uh, it's like well if they have to uh, to press they press if they have to uh, keep the ball they keep it uh, sometimes it goes well sometimes it, it doesn't because after the warning goal yesterday uh, there was a, a, a ball that Sanchez uh, cleared from the line that would, me yeah. would have meant the, the the second goal for, from Guarani and that would mean uh, at least penalties for for to define the the the, 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 the the, the, the draw, uh, but uh, in general, generally speaking, I think that uh, uh, it's yes, it's a team with all the letters. It it uh, T I E M. It's like a team. T E A M. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> but I'll be the first person to point out to any listeners who are laughing there that uh, learning the alphabet in a foreign language is, is disconcerting at times. And uh, <laughs> good try anyway, Andres. Um, it's uh, a few statistics then about River, apart from the Alaria one that I mentioned, which I quite like. I'm liked. sorry, sorry. Uh, with with Gallardo, River has lost only one match up to out of eighteen in the series they played. One to in the the elimination matches. You mean? Uh, oh, the knockouts. Yes, knockout yeah. stages uh, against Cruzeiro for the. Oh, of course, yeah. The right. quarterfinal in the in Monumental. That's the only match. River oh, including last year's Sudamericana. Yes, yes. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, it is the first time that River Plate... Well, first of all, it's the first time they get to the final of the Copa Libertadores in 19 years, because the last one, of course, was 1996. It's also the first time... It's River's fifth final overall, but it's the first time that River have reached the Libertadores final in a year which does not end in six, because their previous final appearances were losing the final in 1966 and in 1976 and then winning them in 1986 and 1996 uh, they of course didn't get to 2006 they were knocked out in the quarters by Liga de Quito I think I'm trying to remember I'm pretty sure that that's right if, if I am in fact correct with that one and I'm going to look it up now um, I'm going to be slightly worried about my how, how on earth I can remember to I can remember that one given that I wasn't here at the time Um, others what else what else did I tweet last night actually I've barely tweeted today so let me just check my timeline because I did a few of these last night nope bear with me listeners this is incredibly boring isn't it just listening to somebody google things Oh, I also last night tried to get a bit of a meme going by retweeting pictures that Teo Gutierrez had taken of himself like, while he was trolling River fans you, you by missed. saying, here's me on the beach in Colombia when I should be training for River. Yes, tra training is very important. Training every day. And he was yes. with his <laughs> with a with his beach in, in, in a room uh, with the sun toys or something. Yes, very... <laughs> oh, right, that was one. Uh, with the draw last night, if you take three points for a win and one point for a draw... Um, including for knockout matches which is something that actually officially Condeval do do for their Continental Cups which is a bit of a weird way of 
uh, going through it, but all the same. Uh, it means that River Plate have tied Nacional as the club with the most points in the history of the Copa Libertadores, which is a surprising record given that they've only won it twice until, you bear in mind, that up until about 1978 or something, the defending champions went straight in at the semi-final stage. So Independiente won, was it five in a row? Oh, and I remember, but uh, Boca won uh, two or three in Yeah, Boca won six uh, Copa Libertadores in total. Uh, mm. and, but we, of course... They've won seven. Yes. Um, I think they won five in a row. And if they, if they won five in a row, then in the last four of those, they would only have played eight matches, which yes. is, you know, that, that obviously helps towards River. Um, yes. Of course, Boca, Boca it, won... It also helps towards Independiente yes. winning seven, <laughs> seven Copas Libertadores, but... Of course, Boca won a lot by penalties, but well, they won. Mm-hmm. Um, other records. Oh, right, it's the second year running that an Argentine club who got through their group thanks to a 5-4 away win in the other last group match have ended up reaching the final, because, of course, that's the exact circumstances in which San Lorenzo managed to reach the final last year, um, or rather managed to re- uh, get out of their group last year. Um, Matias Cranevito, who was the man of the match last night, was three years old the last time River were in a Copa Libertadores final. And, there's one other, where is it? Oh no, and the other one was just a reminder of the regulation that tonight, and we're recording of course without knowing who River's final opponents are, which is why we're not going to preview the final to, to any great extent. Um, although River are the, are the bottom seeds, there is a rule that Conmebol have about Continental Club Cups, which is they always have to be decided in South America, which means that if Tigres edge out Internacional, um, they lost the first leg 2-1, but the second leg is in Mexico, um, and that is just after we finish recording in a couple of hours' time. If it's Tigres who go through, then the first leg will be in Monterrey, and the second leg will be in Buenos Aires, so River will have the advantage then, in spite of obviously having finished from Tigres' own group, in spite of being the uh, the lower-seeded side. Andres, you were going to say something? Uh, well, yes, it's very difficult to, to choose uh, whether you prefer uh, Internacional or Tigres, only because of the way the, the Copa Libertadores will the final will be played whether in Brazil defining uh, the second leg in Brazil or in Argentina depending on on, on, on if the the one who qualifies is Tigres or or or, or Inter mm. it's not good to choose because uh, uh, you have to 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 play against the, any team that, that gets to the final but of course that playing here in the second leg if if the first leg is a good result for River will be Fantastic, but uh, if not, if for example River, uh, the one who who qualifies is Tigres and River loses uh, in Monterrey, that will be big pressure for for the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see. Of course, next week's episode will be recorded. Well, we don't actually know what, what when the first leg is going to be played yet. So it is already said. It was said that it will be next Wednesday. And the That's other one, on yes, okay. 29th of, of July and 5th of August. Okay, excellent. In that case, we'll be recording... I don't know. We'll, we'll see <laughs> when we record next week. Um, but it obviously won't be on Wednesday night next week. Um, so there we are. Fingers crossed. River do well. One thing that we said earlier that we were going to mention um, was the River fans and particularly River Twitter accounts uh, mocking Boca Juniors for all of this and, and coming out with El Que No Salta, Abandono um, and all the rest of it to, to mock the way that, that they eliminated them and both of us, I think um, 
I guess just kind of wish that River fans could be a bit more happy about River winning rather than feeling the constant need to mock Boca. Not that it doesn't happen the other way around as well. But, you know, can we just celebrate being in the final? There was a fantastic tweet that I saw from somebody who got retweeted onto my timeline. I have no idea who the guy supports. Um, saying something like, in the last 19 years, River have reached two finals of the Copa Libertadores. What a Boca one in that time. And that day, Angelisi, get out against <laughs> Which I thought was fantastic. If it's a River fan, then it's very, well, unusually self-mocking um, for an Argentine, for for a Porteño particularly. Uh, if it, of course, it might be a Boca fan taking the piss out of um, out of out of River as well. But either way, I I sort of uh, laughed at it a little yes. bit, given the number of of uh, yes, River it, fans who just continue. It's just to, a, just a culture that here, and you will you won't change that that to to re, to. Celebrate uh, dedicating the victory to to your the team, your arch rival, your your mm. uh, Boca River. Uh, before you celebrate by yourself because you won, it, it's something cultural and and this is it. And I, I don't agree with that. My principle is to to celebrate because River won, and if Boca is not in the Copa Libertadores or we eliminated them, we 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 celebrated at the at that moment when we eliminated them and then this and then it's over and 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 to get Copa Libertadores is good for River and I don't mind if Boca is worried, is crying, is is sad. Well it's it's something we don't we, we don't we shouldn't care about. No, indeed. And yet so many here do. Uh, River, by the way, were eliminated from the two thousand and six Copa Libertadores at the uh, quarter final stage by Libertad of Paraguay. So perhaps fitting they beat a Paraguayan team to well, I remember that the second leg wasn't finished because there it was suspended because there were some incidents in the in the book in the river uh, really? between River supporters and, and the Paraguayan police. Okay. Uh, yes, I remember. I can't remember that, but. Uh, I wasn't watching them. I wouldn't have been watching the match anyway. Now you said it was against Libertad. I remember. Yes, it was like that. Oh, I might have been listening on the radio and not having much of a clue what went on because my Spanish wasn't very good at that point. Um, and now, a preview of the Clásico Rosarino. And to do this preview, Andres has got one or two anecdotes up his sleeve, apparently, um, from the history of the Clásico Rosarino. But he needs me to um, find them. Online, so I'm going to hand the keyboard over to Andres for a second so that he can look them up. Uh, and we'll be back in two seconds. Just bear with us for for uh, a couple of minutes. I'll, I'll stick a bit of music on to drown out the keyboard clicking. Well, I remember two of them, but if you want, I can. Yeah, yeah. Go on this time. Bueno, ahí la otra sí. 
Well, I, I don't know, you you knew that the Cerros Intelligent News was the most, the oldest Clásico of Argentina. I didn't. No? I well, thought it was really It is, no. Okay. Cerros Intelligent News is, of course, apart, apart from the from the uh, craziness that is, that you live, Rosar, the people from Rosario lives when Rosario Central News are playing because it's a whole city divided by two teams. Uh, it's, yes, it is the, 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 the oldest classical because the, the first was played in 1905, in the, the wow. 18th of June, when, of course, the amateur era, not the professional still, but, well, News won that match by 1-0, and, well, it was the very, very first match. Then, if you come to this, more to these times, you have, for example, uh, I think it's very, very remembered for by the, the Rosario Central supporters is the Palomita of Aldo Pedro Poi mm -hmm. uh, which was in 1971 the first title that Rosario Central won this is the goal that they re uh, they replicate every year on the anniversary in a yes, 19th of, of December is the, the date that Rosario Central supporters re remember that uh, the day of Aldo the Palomita of Aldo Pedro Poi because in 1971 was the The, the year in which the first team out of Buenos Aires won a, 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 turn, a tournament, a title. That was the Torneo Nacional of uh, 1971 in which Rosario Central defeated by uh, one nil neutral boys and won uh, with that goal, of course, with Pedro Poyo. And in 1974 was the other, the other way around because Newell's was losing against Rosario Central 2-0 by 2-0 and they got a draw, they uh, uh, drew the game 2-2 and was the first title for Newell's in 1974. So both, uh, in, the, in the case of Rosario Central that won in 1971 with that Aldo Pedro Poi game, that was in the semi-finals that defeat Newell's in the Monumental, Stadium Monumental. And I'm uh, actually, sorry to interrupt, but I'm reading a book at the moment of, of short stories about football yeah. in Argentina. It's a very famous book, and I assume that you've... In fact, I know that you've seen it, because you saw it when you came around before. Um, by Roberto Fontana Rosa, who is a uh, very well-loved writer here. Um, he wrote, wrote this... Uh, well, he, it's not actually... He didn't write it as a, a collection. He wrote it as a series of uh, short stories in yeah. different collections, and they were later put together, all, all of his stories about football. And one of them is called 19th of December 1971, and it's about... Uh, He doesn't mention Poi at all. It, 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 it's about this group of characters who kidnap an old man um, and drag him to the Monumental that day from Rosario um, in order to be out in the match because he's never in his life, he's, he's been to loads of Clásicos and he's never been to a Clásico in which uh, Newell's have beaten Central and they're all Central fans. Um, and I won't tell you how the, yes, how the story ends, good. obviously, because people might want to read it. It's but very I recommend good. the book. It's yes. Puro Football by Roberto Fontana Rosa. It's, it's very good. And do, do you know that, uh, for example, well, of course, the rival, rivalry has, got, has been increasing date, uh, year by year. Mm. And from 1982 up to date, n there, was, there were no players playing in Newell's and Rosario Central. You mean uh, from Newell's to Rosario Central or the oh, other well. way? So it was 20, 33 years that there, there isn't any transfer from one team to the other. Which, and when you bear in mind that River have got 
two current squad members who are former Boca players, would it be? Yes. Maidana, I'm sure there's one other. Uh, but certainly, uh, if Bartolo. not... Yes, of course, yeah, who they just signed. But I, I think it means the teams that, uh, players perhaps not uh, that started their careers in one team and then by the end of the, of the career were, went to the other one, but uh, passing from one team to other perhaps. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, and Kili Gonzalez, well, very symbol of Rosario Central, said that there, of course, it's more that a say for something he said for, for uh, supporters that uh, uh, there is no money that the, anyone could pay him to, to put on a, uh, to wear a, a new a new South by shirt mm-hmm. t-shirt so but uh, uh, he he's very identified with with Rosario Central so yeah. it's, but well there were some some history or anecdotes from from the classical that in this case and uh, I think Rosario Central in the history uh, takes a, 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 a tiny advantage to news with six matches of uh, yeah. that won more than news. I have here the history here. Yes. Uh, they played uh, 163 matches with uh, 48 wins for Rosario Central, 42 for news and 73 draws. So in fact a draw is Yes. by some distance the most likely result <laughs> yes. historically speaking but I seem to think Central have won and I've done these already in my previews in fact I'll, I'll mention it again when I when I read it out but I think it's Central who've, who've dominated the last few years at least um, of, of the fixture do you have any others? Or are we? no, no, then well the, the, the relations of Rosario Central and, and of course Newell's uh, mocking about that uh, the last one was in 2010 Coming back 2013. Mm. Uh, yeah. And in the 90s, in the 90s, there were some particularities that were one one uh, time each uh, abandoned or retired from the match because uh, in in the case of Rosario Central, there the news uh, supporters called that day the day of the Rosario Central supporters abandoned. Uh, because the news was was winning in the 90s, and and they, the, well, Rosario Central supporters, as happens today, decided that the match would, wouldn't continue and, and obliged the referee to suspend it. And after that, there was another match in which it was the other way, that uh, Rosario Central was winning, uh, and the uh, news uh, had four men suspended, uh, sent off, and another one got injured, but... Uh, the 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 other in the other way, the other side in Rosario Central say they say that they he was like uh, faking the, the injury because he didn't they didn't want to suffer a, an historic uh, uh, defeat they were win- they were yeah. already losing for nil in that case 1996 I think yeah uh, we shall move swiftly on uh, first of all I will say that next week we're hoping as well as um, either reviewing or previewing the first leg of the Coppa Libertadores final we will also uh, fingers crossed have somebody um, in the Hand of Pod studio who's been to the Classico Rosarino this weekend because uh, there's somebody who's planning to go to it um, as, a, as a special guest um, and now on to listeners questions because we're going to try and whip through these because Andres needs to go uh, in the not too distant future um, 
We've had one from David Ellingham by email. So a weekly reminder that you can email us questions as well as tweeting them um, to sam at hasta el gold or just go to the contact form on the Hand of uh, Pod website, which is on the Meet the Team page, handofpod.wordpress.com. They can donate. If they go to Hand of Pay, they can... Yes, well, yeah, if I set it up, then they could indeed. Uh, David's question, which I'm reading out now for the first time, because I didn't look at this earlier, is on last week's podcast, when talking about Nueva Chicago, you said, I'm aware of their unique position, politically speaking, that the fans have, blah, blah, blah. Could you expand on this? Oh, God, yes. Um, They were very outspoken against some of Argentina's more authoritarian regimes, um... And there's something that they had that they were particularly active in. Was it anti-Peronism or was it... I mean, yes. they can't have been particularly pro-Peronist because everybody's pro-Peronist in this country. Um, they were sort of known for um, for being very collective in their actions and, and for being, um, I think it was anti-Peronist and anti-authoritarian, um, just generally. Um, and I will reply in more detail, David, well, I've not yes, had a couple they of call that get you a couple of um, they call of the neighbor Republica de Mataderos. No? Yeah, in fact, that's what the stadium's called as well. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I will expand on that in more detail in e- uh, by email, David. Um, but yeah, just by and large, there, there was something that happened in the sixties or seventies that was a was seen as a, um, a a sign of kind of state oppression, and which Chicago fans in particular stood up against. And I can't remember off the top of my head what it was now. Um, I should read these before. And, and do some research but there we go uh, and also with re- re- with regards to your request for feedback on the Argentine relegation system the only benefit that I can see to the average point system is that in theory every game should matter but it's totally outweighed by its two main drawbacks which are that it's too complicated and that it lacks meritocracy I would agree although David does go on to say and I'm going to read out the whole thing here because there's a point that I would like to contest if a team no matter who is shit over a season then they deserve to be relegated Big clubs have enough going for them so as to, fine- that to finesse the system to try and protect them further it goes against everything that sports should be about. And then he adds that River and Independiente still managed to get relegated with this system highlights just how pish they must have been. So I would like to remind him that River actually were the eighth best team in the country when they got relegated and had not finished in the relegation zone in what would be the, the relegation zone under a proper relegation system in any of the three seasons for which they were relegated. It was just the teams that had finished below them in the previous years had gone down. Um, and that's that's why River ended up in such trouble. Um, and really that you know underlines again, OK, yeah, it's River, and so it's very difficult to feel sorry for them. Um, but it does underline what a ridiculous system it was. We also had another email after I asked for feedback on the relegation system last week, which said quite similar things to what David's just said but I'm going to try and read it out if I can find it where is it there it is from Alan Mesa Wright who says surely the threat of relegation is part of what makes league football exciting take that away and it's just another step towards the sanitisation of football and placing the interests of owners or so-called product above those of fans I don't know if you saw the recent development in France where they've reduced relegation spots from 3 to 2 to give investors more security which I could scarcely believe when reading it. I hadn't seen that either. Had you? No. No. Disgraceful. Um, One of the main reasons I watch Argentine football, Alan says, is for the unpredictability and the fact that it offers something different to the increasingly money-orientated European leagues. Sure, I want to watch River and Independiente, but not at the expense of the integrity of the competition. 
from an occasional attendee of West Brom games, so no offence taken because I said something about West Brom last, last week, so I'm glad it didn't offend. And a relatively new listener, keep up the good work. Thank you very much for the comment, Alan. Um, and please continue to give us feedback. On to Twitter questions very quickly. Will Dalton said early question. He said, oh, yeah, he sent it in yesterday, so it was early. Uh, for the next hand of pod, who do you think would make the best mate? That is, oh, sorry, who do you think would make the best mate? Drink, not friend, in world football. A discussion among friends ended with us choosing Gaston Ramirez, but I would love to hear other views. It's got to be somebody Uruguayan, surely. Yes, it was. Uh, I think it. Uh, some time ago, it was mentioned for to go to to Boca, perhaps. No, but he's asking who would make the mess, Mate. If you invited a bunch of footballers round for Mate, oh. who would you get to to Sebar? Yes, yes, it's it's a Mate. In world football, no. I mean, clearly Uruguay. Possibly, no, Paraguay yeah. maybe not so. If it was Terreira, I'd go no, Terreira, but it's uh, different. It's with orange juice. Yeah. Um, I'm really not sure. Diego Vera, I can imagine Diego Vera, who's just moved from Estudiantes to Diego, well, Independiente. Funnily enough, Independiente now has have a lot of of uh, Uruguayan river also with uh, Machada, Sanchez, Budes. Oh yeah, right, yeah. And Mora, well, Mora is going to live. Mora could be a good yes. Cebador. I could see yes. him making a good matter. Um, slightly more serious. Well, questions. Argentinian also. And when you when you watch, for example, the photographs, the image images from the concentration when they are. Uh, yeah, see, Lavezzi tweets a lot of them, and yes. I, don't, I I wouldn't trust Lavezzi to. Well, we you don't know who is, who had Seba. No, that's the thing, isn't it? You know who Seba de Mate in that case. Yeah, Se- Seba, for the, for the benefit of those who don't speak any Spanish, by who the way, de Seba is basically yes. being mother. Um, if you're British and, and are used to tea drinking, is being mother, but for mate, so sharing it out and, and, and passing the mate around. Um, I, I wouldn't trust Labetzi or Aguero certainly to to get the temperature. Aguero, right. I, I will trust Aguero, not really? Labetzi. Okay. But uh, yes, Aguero yeah, has a very Humid past and I'm going to go for Romero. Safe pair of hands. From Misiones, and he's from Misiones. And he, uh, yeah, and he is from Misiones. So let's go with Sergio Romero, um, potential new Manchester United goalkeeper. By the way, um, other questions. JB Boxing Promotion. So of course is a, a Boca fan. Asked, should I bother listening? Well, <laughs> fingers crossed. You've enjoyed this episode. Um, Liam Kelly, who has no relation, says disagree with Fede last week and the Promedios. Should be like a European season with both continental competitions played at the same time. I've been saying that for ages. Well done, Liam. And I agree. And also, do the fans approve of the way that it's set up? Or is there a desire to have a league set up like the European leagues? Andres? Uh, I think I, I, I have been saying that I, I would imitate a lot of things that happen or the way that tournaments are organised in Europe. Uh, and, and, well, yes. So, I mean... Uh, no, I don't know if I would uh, directly quit the the promedios, but uh, at least to be more, more have more uh, stability in the in the way you, you organize the the matches and to know the, the the dates and not to change them the dates in which the matches are played and and that stuff. Mm. And uh, I, I I I'm not sure whether to to quit the. The, the averages or not because uh, as 
in in, the, in that case, I agree with, with Fede when he said that three tournaments, uh, three seasons is good for, for for to see whether a team is really really deserves the relegation or not oh. in, in terms of 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 well. And I thought you were so sensibly minded, Andres. Yeah. Such a shame. If you award the championship on a one-season basis, or, okay, here, for the last 20 years, it's been on a six-month basis until this year, but if you award the championship on a yearly basis, surely regulation, uh, relegation should be done on a yearly yes. basis as well, in my opinion. But, um, anyway, we're, we're, this is a, a cultural uh, yes. difference, clearly, and we're not going to agree overnight. So now we're going to move on to Mystic Sam. Don't go anywhere. Okay, this weekend's matches are going to go as follows. Aldo Simi versus Tempele is going to finish in a draw. Gimnasia Grima La Plata versus Crucero. That's the only um, match this weekend that's played on Friday, by the way, just the one Aldo Simi and Tempele. Um, Gimnasia Grima La Plata versus Crucero del Norte is going to be, obviously, a Gimnasia win because Crucero are playing away. Sarmiento versus Tigre is a Tigre victory. Union de Santa Fe against Banfield is a draw. Independiente versus Atletico de Rafaela is going to be an Independiente win. Vélez Sarsfield versus Olimpo de Bahia Blanca um, is going to be a narrow Vélez win, but if you want my recommendation for the match, it is don't watch it. It's going to be ho horrible to watch. Huracán versus Estudiantes de la Plata. I'm going for an Estudiantes win. Newell's Old Boys versus Rosario Central, the Clásico. I'm going to go for a draw. Sorry. Um, but I said earlier that I thought that Central had dominated recently, and it turns out that they haven't. In the last ten, uh, we've had three Newell's wins, four Central wins, um, and three draws. So the Central haven't been quite as on top, but I don't I think that uh, Central I don't think Central have lost since they got promoted again in 2013. I think they've won three out of three since then. They certainly won both last season. Um Kilmeth versus Racing. I'm going for a Racing win. Godoy Cruz against San Lorenzo. San Lorenzo, but possibly not quite as comfortably as people might think. River Plate Reserves against Colón de Santa Fe. I'm going for a River Reserves victory. Lanús against Defensa Justicia is a Lanús win. Uh, Belgrano against Boca Juniors, I think, is going to be a draw. Which would see, if I'm correct with all of these results, that would see San Lorenzo go top of the league. Um, ahead of Boca Nueva Chicago against San Martín de San Juan I think is a San Martín victory and finally Arsenal de Sarandí against Argentinos Juniors is going to be a draw and possibly the worst match of the weekend slash definitely the worst match of the weekend Andres? Uh, I think Argentinos will will uh, continue Arsenal to be a crap and, and they will defeat them see the thing that stopped me going for that was purely well, not purely, but in large part was the fact that uh, Ricardo Caruso Lombardi knows Argentinos' squad so well. He's, of course, the current yes. Arsenal manager, and he, he's managed Arsenal, uh, Argentinos relatively recently as well. And the, uh, Independiente know a lot of Rafaela players, and so they have a lot of former... Well, they've got their, yes. their attacking front line from yes. last year. Vera, Vera and, and, and Albertengo. Vera didn't play yes. at the weekend. He might make his debut against his old club. Yes, And, and we didn't mention Quilmes has a new coach as... 
Julio Cesar Falcioni left uh, left against uh, uh, after losing against Boca, which was at this logical he defeat it beforehand as well, apparently, yes. and and the board replaced yes. him like immediately. And, um, and the the new coach is Facundo Saba, former Fulham yes. striker, who has a rather. No, I was going to say mix, but it's not really that mix. It's just a rather poor record as a manager so far. Um, very attack-minded, so we can expect a 90-degree switch, a 180-degree switch in styles from Quilmes. Um, but unfortunately, the results haven't always come, and apparently he was uh, let go from what, his Chilean club, the name of whom I just forgot in mid-sentence there, uh, fairly recently after some very disappointing run of results. Thank you, I think it was Universidad Católica. After a very disappointing run of results, so it's going to be interesting to see what Sabah does. Um, but for now, ladies and gents, Thank you very much for listening. If you're a Boca fan, then we hope we haven't been too um, intolerable for you uh, this week. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. As we say, not exactly sure when. Um, it might well be on Thursday recording, followed by a very late editing session for me to try and get it up on Thursday night um, online. But uh, whatever it is, of course, check the Handapod Twitter account and, and we'll let you know. Um, if you're watching the matches this weekend... Enjoy them. If we don't record beforehand and you watch River Plate's uh, first leg of the final, whoever it's against, on Wednesday night, and you're going to be supporting River, then good luck and we're with you. And if you're going to be chanting against River, then we hope that you uh, don't get what you wish for. Um, <laughs> and we shall be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. It's, oh, and thank you very much for my sponsors as well. One more time. Almost forgot, but I got in there just in time. Um, the Argentina Independent, who are a fine... English language source of news, current affairs, cultural events, photo essays, and a bunch of other stuff uh, from Argentina and across Latin America. You can read them for free on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at argentinaindy. Thank you for them for providing our booze each week. On that note, it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And goodbye from me. Goodbye and thank you.